Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 99 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is January 6, 2010. We are in the first show of the new year, the new decade. And this week on the podcast, we have a lot to get to. Uh, a lot of your questions came in. we got some long questions we'll get to. If you have any questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. We've got a lot of recruiting to talk about. Uh, our Gerard Martinez is down in San Antonio for the U.S. Army All-American game, so we're going to get a lot of info on a lot of the five-star guys that are down there. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about the team. Lots to get to. Like I said, if you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. And as always, we are joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how you doing, man? Hey, buddy. Happy New Year. I'm doing great. I'll tell you, there, there could be a better time of year, is there, than the college football bowl game, now the NFL playoffs, college basketball, and by the way, congratulations to Kevin O'Neill and what he's done with the USC basketball program and all the things that are going on, I mean, it could be better. I'll tell you, it's uh, absolutely fabulous. Uh, the weather in Southern California, I don't know where you might be listening at. Well, how can you beat this? The national <laughs> championship game tomorrow, Thursday, in Pasadena. They're predicting 75, 79 degrees. Just beautiful. They put a new turf in at the Rose Bowl. I watched that. It's absolutely fabulous. Within the, uh, let's see, at 8 o'clock, they started taking out or cutting down the old turf, and by 2 o'clock the next afternoon, Friday, the new turf was completed. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Only in California can you can you do that and, and let it mend and water it and line it and Hey, guys, if you're living in Southern California, hey, it's the greatest place. If you're back east somewhere, that's great, too, but make sure you have a lot of firewood, okay? You don't want to be stuck out somewhere. And make sure you have a four-wheel vehicle and a snowplow and a lot of those other things. And, and you know, I sat next to some Ohio State people uh, at the Rose Bowl game, and I tell you, they are really Buckeyes. I want to congratulate Ohio State for what they did and holding Oregon to 17 points yet. Oregon could have won that football game, and 89 plays Ohio State ran to 53 for Oregon, and yet Oregon still could have won that football game if they hadn't had that fumble by Blunt. There in the third quarter, I thought the momentum was changing, but uh, we didn't come here to talk about all the wonderful things that are happening. We came here to talk a little bit about USC and whatever you want to talk about. All right, Coach. Yeah, and it's, the weather here is beautiful, so sorry, everyone else. It's been 75 every day. Great stuff, Southern California. This is why this is why we pay more money to live here, but it's good stuff. Uh, but if you need to go to the aforementioned National Championship game at the Rose Bowl or you need tickets for anything else, our sponsor for this segment, they've always been a great help to us, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. If you want to check on the web or give them a call, one 800 888 7287 for all your ticketing needs. If you want to go to that championship game or any other kind of sporting event you do, there's lots of stuff going on, give them a call. And I know Coach uses them, but Coach, I want to start off, and it's not a great note. It's a sad note, but it's a, I think 
something that USC fans should be proud of. They had one of the better broadcasters that this city has seen. And there's been a lot of great broadcasters in Los Angeles. But Rory Marcus passed away uh, this week. And uh, I just wanted to maybe get your thoughts on that. Just a sad, sad day for the USC family. Of course, he was uh, Angel's uh, radio announcer as well. was going to start doing Angel's television. And he's been doing USC basketball for a while now uh, doing on the radio and stuff. So it's a, it's a sad day for USC. And, and just for all of Southern California, Rory Marcus was such a good guy and such a great part of the Southern California landscape. No, he was. And uh, as good a broadcaster as he was, uh, he was a better person. Unbelievable individual. Uh, I remember an instance when we were, you know, I do a lot with the Pasadena Quarterback Club. And he was doing the World Series down in Anaheim. And I said, Rory, we need you to speak at passing a quarterback club. And I, I thought it'd be good to talk about the World Series and some of the broadcasting he did. And you know how busy you are when you're doing a World Series game at Anaheim Stadium? You know, and he said, sure, Coach, I'll be happy to do it. He drove up, did the talk. It was a Friday afternoon, about 12 to one fifteen or whatever, did the talk. We thanked him, got back in his car, went back to Anaheim for a game. That, that gives you one instance of about what type of person he is. Every time I called him, I said, hey, would you like to be a guest on my radio show down at the Burger Continental in Pasadena or whatever? He says, Coach, whenever I can eat food at the Burger Continental and come by and see you, I'll be happy to. No matter how busy his schedule was, he always find, found time to say hi or help someone. And then, of course, I always used to stop by when he was broadcasting for USC basketball and say hi to him and Jim Hefner and so on. And He's just a wonderful person, and to lose someone like that, it's almost like a, you know, it's a, it is a shock. It's not almost like a shock. It is a shock. When I received calls and I heard that, I said, oh, no, 54 years old. I'll tell you. So you got to enjoy every call. you got to enjoy every child. you got to enjoy everything you do every day. When I look outside here talking to you, it's such a beautiful day. Uh, you never know when it's going to be your last day. So. I hate to talk like that, but you know, and it's hard for me to believe that because I'm such a optimistic person. I think I'm going to live forever. I'm going to get OT. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to the first ten overtime period ever in life. That's why I feel about life because I love it so much. But uh, it, he, we lost a great person there. Certainly, coach, and he will he will be missed uh, all across the nation. I think a lot of people. He, he his first year with the Angels, I believe, was 2002, and he got a. Uh, really lucky you know that it, they won the world series that year and then i think his real dream was to be the angels tv guy and he was going to be that uh starting this next season and it's just unfortunate that the you know the angels family's lost a lot lately and uh you know we our hearts to go out to them but thanks for the the words on that coaches I, I knew i didn't know if you knew him but i had a feeling that you have crossed paths with him over over the years there and it's good to hear that nice story yeah he's the best he's the best all right well let's uh switch gears and uh, we will remember Rory. Uh, but we got a bunch of questions to get to and there's some other topics on basketball I want to get to as well, coach. Um, there's, I think we set a record for pure number of words sent in questions this week. I mean, I have two questions that are almost full page long, so uh, we can't read a full page of question on the, on the air here. Um, just so you know, but we'll try to get some of the points of what everybody asked. And, uh, you know, we do appreciate you sending in the questions and stuff. Um, one of the questions we had uh, talking about X's bigger than your O's, I think that was something that um, you, you had talked about kind of before. Um, 
it's about Matt Barkley and the decision when when Pete Carroll named Barkley the starter. I think some of us, you know, in the media were talking about, you know, we felt that Aaron Corp would be named the starter. Um, Barkley was named starter. It's kind of a shock to a lot of people. It's not, you know, not that big of a deal. Obviously, he started pretty much the whole season except for that one game when he was hurt. Um, just to you, Coach, do you think Matt Barkley had the year you thought he would? Um, was there any surprises there, good or bad? Uh, and do you think starting him all year was a bad call? Well, you know, uh, this is a, an opinion. That, that's all it is, and everybody has an opinion. First of all, I was shocked that he was named the starter. And uh, after the process of what they went through, you know, if you have a process, everyone looks at a process, competition Tuesday, all these different things, evaluation, meetings, and so on. And you name a starter, and then when that starter gets hurt, and then that starter gets well again, and that starter isn't named a starter, you start to say, what happened in that process that went through all of spring practice, all of the summer training, all of this fall camp, and all of a sudden this process broke down. Maybe the process wasn't right. Because I think it shocked only you, the media, it shocked the coaching world, and it also couched, uh, you know, it, it really uh, shocked uh, all the Trojan fans because Aaron Corpse was is a great player. Now, don't get me wrong, I haven't watched him or been in meetings with him or understand the inside of what goes on or Mitch Mustaine, but they certainly come with credentials. They come with credentials that far exceed some of the ex- credentials that I saw uh, other freshman quarterbacks in the country this year win from Utah and true, true, true freshmen. Okay. The true freshmen from SMU, some of the freshmen, uh, Andrew Luck, of course, a redshirt freshman, uh, some of the other freshmen throughout the country, how they played with maybe not as good a personnel surrounding them, which makes me suspect uh, that when Mark, Mark, Matt Barkley this year, started that there were always a protection, a little crown around him, I felt, that he could do no wrong. Uh, and, and I think that bothered most of us. Maybe not everybody, but it was very difficult sometimes to hear the same, everything's cool, he's young, he'll learn, we're keeping it simple, this and that and that. Well, you don't keep it simple when you go on through your season, you, you start expanding, you start learning more, and you start using your athletes and backs, and you develop your offense to a point where really the offense is that by the end of the year, you would think that it's really expanded to what it's supposed to be. Now, I'm not quite sure what their point was or how they did that or what their thought was, but I saw a decline in their offense after the Notre Dame game. I start to see it decline rather than exceed. And, and normally, uh, athletes get better as the season goes along. Now, of course, he had a, little sh- he had a sh- shoulder injury, but who doesn't get hurt? Everyone gets hurt. And, and I, I don't really feel that Aaron Corp got a, the right type of treatment when he was going to start the Washington game. And I'm sure the coaches knew he was going to start the Washington game. But he wasn't giving that real strong endorsement that a player needs. You're our guy get after it, get it done. It's almost like we want to win this game, but we don't want Aaron to look too good because when Matt gets well again, we want him to start. Now, if we went up to Washington and beat him 50 to nothing with Aaron Corp at quarterback, we'd have a problem. What do we do now? 
I'm just making up these situations, okay? None of them's probably true as far as, but I'd like to at least look at the whole story since you asked me. Sure. So, so what I'm saying is I'm not quite sure just who Matt Barkley is. Didn't have a great senior year. Didn't have a great year this year. Made some poor decisions on throws the entire season. Early it was because he was a freshman. And later it was, I don't know what the questions or reasons were. Now, it's not all his fault, but you've heard me be highly critical as far as some of the patterns and routes that he had to throw, because he had to put some bullets in at times to even complete passes. There wasn't many people that were wide open in their passing game this year. They didn't really utilize, I think, top receivers. It'll be a long time before they get a tight end like Anthony McCoy. A long time. The closest thing will be this Grimble kid coming in from Bishop Gorman, which he's a great basketball player, too. But will they utilize him? See, I don't know if they'll split him out, put him in the slot, put him out, and even flank the tight end and make him a flanker. Make a, make a, make a corner cover guy that's 6'6", that plays basketball in the number 15th-ranked team in the country that can go up and rebound. Will they do that? Yeah, here's a guy... That's playing on a team that's lost one game. They're ten and one. Takes the week off. Goes down. Plays in the Under Armour game. Comes back and is playing basketball. Started last night against Western High School in in Las Vegas for Bishop. I mean, he's a pretty good athlete. Now he's coming in. So will he be utilized? I think you've got to utilize the personnel to make your quarterback really look better. And I don't think that that was done. So as far as Matt getting better. I didn't think he got better. I didn't think he built up confidence, and I think he was confused most of the year on just who he answered to. All right, Coach. Well, that's a, that's a good answer there. It's straightforward, too, uh, not pulling any punches. And I, I agree with you, and I think um, I was a little shocked when he was named the starter like everybody else, and I felt that there were some opportunities to get other guys. You know, to get other guys in, maybe get Mitch Mustaine a few series. doesn't have to start, but – at least work some guys in. I didn't think that would hurt Barkley's confidence all that much. But, you know, it's the decisions that the coaches made, and um, we'll see going forward. I mean, obviously they put a lot of their eggs in the Matt Barkley basket. And uh, Did you watch Utah? Did you watch Utah beat Cal? I did, yes. Did, do you know who that kid was at quarterback? You're, you're in the recruiting business. Did you know of when? I, I don't remember him, no. No, at Oceanside High School. He, is what, he was a Gatorade player of the year. He's a true freshman. Yeah. Leading Utah through a great season. In fact, the Mountain West Conference went 4-1 and one in bowl games. As a true freshman, running, running the show. As the SMU quarterback, I don't know if you saw him in the run and shoot in the Hawaii Bowl. He only threw for 460 yards. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he got better as the season went along. We didn't see that with Matt, okay? Right, and they and they weren't Gatorade players of the year, so that's all I'm saying. I expected a lot more from all his pub. Okay, and I think uh, I think the fans did too. But we'll see. You know, we'll see going forward. See how he does in spring, and we'll follow him throughout the off season. Obviously, heading into his sophomore campaign. Um, the next two questions are the ones that were like extremely uh, long, so I'll try to break down and. and we do appreciate all your questions. Uh, we just we can't read a page long worth of stuff uh, in your emails, and but there's a lot of passion there, Coach, and I think that's uh, I'll try to you know uh, bring that across to you so you understand what's going on. This is ex-coach G 
he's uh his family's really worried about him apparently because he's such a big USC fan and he's really felt that the coaches need to evaluate reevaluate everything this year um he's been a dedicated fan since the John McKay era and he listed off some of the guys that he's coached before like Fred Taylor and Elvis Dumerville and Santonio Holmes Sonoris Moss Devin Hester so I'm not sure where he was coaching but there was a uh, the big list of names he was giving of, of some, some high-profile college and end-up pro players that he's worked with before. But I'll just give a few points that he uh, at, at expressed, Coach, and maybe you can share your thoughts on this a little bit. He felt overall the discipline was lacking. Uh, the talent wasn't utilized properly on offense. Um, he wanted some adjustments to the defense. You might know he wanted a man-over-center, odd, odd front line, uh, using odd front line man over center and always have outside contained because they haven't had a lot of that. He's felt that a lot of the quarterbacks have been able to roll to their right and buy a lot of time because USC hasn't been focused on the outside contained. Uh, and then there's a lot of other stuff, doubling gunners on the punt team, a whole bunches of, uh, of coaching techniques and coaching points, I guess that he thinks that need to be adjusted. I, maybe share your thoughts on this a little bit, coach. There's a lot, there's a lot here, so we can't get to all of it, but maybe just the few things I mentioned. Yeah, I, I you know uh, obviously this gentleman knows football and uh, he sees a, a lot of things that should be evaluated. First of all, I agree with him. I think the entire program needs to be evaluated by Pete Carroll. It all starts at the top. It starts with Pete Carroll. I think Mike Garrett gives Pete Carroll every single opportunity and the unlimited budget that he needs to win. And it always starts at the top where you can't do that. And I think you've got to look, first of all, your coaching staff, where your breakdowns were there. Do you need to make changes on your coaching staff to get better? Am I spreading myself too thin with too many outside opportunities and and responsibilities? Am I trying to coach too much myself as far as the offense and defense and special teams weren't really that good? Uh, You start to look at the special teams and you say, what major college team in the country is going to try to play for a national championship that can't kick a field goal over 35 yards. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that at USC that you get yourself into this type of position and you've got scholarship kickers that can't do that. I think you've got to look at the schemes of what you're doing offensively and defensively and see if they are productive. Or maybe if you run the same thing too long and people know exactly what you're going to do offensively and defensively. And maybe the defense requires physical linebackers which they didn't have this year they've had in the past. So maybe you've got to look at what you're doing on the defensive side of, of what your schemes are. And I think you also got to look at your techniques that you're doing in the secondary as far as if you're going to decide to play safety 20 yards deep and, and have him fill and make tackles off tackle. Or are you going to have your safety be a center fielder and go for interceptions and knock down passes? you got to decide if you're going to play man defense, that you work on man coverage every single day and the way of the techniques that you play to play man defense and how you teach your corners to be tough corners, as you saw a lot of teams, especially one last game against uh, Arizona, the way those guys play man, they believe in man, they want you, they threaten you to try to run a route on them, and then when you do catch the ball, they throw you to the ground or they hammer you, and they can come off the block and make tackles. Coach, he, he, got ma- he mentioned that specifically, bad man coverage and the techniques and the, the, the defensive backs and the and the free safety technique as well. But he, he specifically mentioned that, talking about that these corners don't look like they were taught correct man techniques. Well, you know, and I hate to say that, uh, 
and, but I'm going to tell you, they weren't. I mean, my my way of playing it, okay? The way they drop back, they're playing man and covering like zone. And I, I don't know how you do that. Uh, I don't know how you line up in the end zone and cover somebody that runs a slant. I, I've never figured out when you're on the three-yard line how your corner lines up in the end zone. I, I've never been able to figure that out. Or your linebackers three or four yards deep in the end zone when it's a short yardage play. Uh, so these are things that Pete Carroll has to look at. You're able to do it in the past that way, but I think something just like a car, they changed the style of a car. I think you sometimes have to design and engineer a new scheme and make things work. I think that the Pac-10 has caught up to USC. What I mean by that is the Pac-10 has had a goal to beat USC. They got tired of USC being the best all the time. So Phil Knight at Oregon put in unlimited dollars to bring Oregon to a level. In fact, I did the MC at the kickoff luncheon this year, and one of my questions was to Chip Kelly, what uniforms are you going to wear? He wouldn't even divulge that then. Wouldn't tell me even then. And as everyone knows, they come out in different uniforms. They have different combinations because they're unlimited on the number of, of, of uniforms they have, plus their jerseys are made of a special type of material that no other team in the country has, which means it's smoother and you can't grab it or hold it or whatever that is it might be. And So the other teams have improved. You see improvement at Washington. Locker decides to stay. I mean, that's huge for Sarkeesian to have Locker stay in win five games this year when they didn't win any the year before. So, you know, you better get better at SC or you're going to decline rather than go up. Now, the schedule favors USC next year, so they have a chance to get started the right way if they are going to do new things. Yeah, they're going to open it Hawaii, and they've got Minnesota the second game back there. Not that Minnesota doesn't have a great program, and they're not going to be tough to beat back there. They've got Virginia, who... Really, he's not at the top of the ACC right now. And then they get into conference play, and they have the tougher teams at home this year. They had them all on the road last year. So, you know, and they, they're having a, a good recruiting year. They have uh, 14 commits. They're not through yet. But they have two of the premier receivers in the country. They're the better athlete. I've never seen a better receiver in high school than Woods out of Sarah High School. I mean, Coach, you might agree with me. You might not. This kid is unbelievable. They get Prater. Prater's coming in here, I guess, in January. He's going to enroll at USC now. And he's another one of the williams Jarrett type of receivers, 6'5", and good route guy, and got raves in the all-star camp that he just played in. Uh, you know, it's amazing that the freshman receivers can't, do, can't play sooner at USC either. Young players really don't play, and they've got great young players there. What's that guy, Flournoy? Is that his name? He's Florida, a great yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great player. Yet you watch Reeves. Isn't that the name of the kid that decommitted from USC to go to South, went to South Carolina? Hey, he's Alsh- burning them up down there. Alshon Jeffrey, yeah. I think a lot of USC yeah. fans are disappointed in that. Well, how can he burn it up down there? I mean, yet they can't play at USC. So I, I like to see younger players get in there and get in the mix. and If they're the best, play the best. I mean, that's, so, a, that's a great point, Coach. I think a lot of places you see freshman receivers come in and dominate. And that happened at USC before. You know, we went on Mike Williams or someone or a Dwayne Jarrett came in. But we haven't seen that recently. And I don't know if it's the, the scheme or the players or what. But it, it hasn't happened like it has in the past. And it's still happening across the country or other places. 
you're right. So, you know, when he asked me that question, I agree with him. But, again, I'm not the head coach at USC, and uh, I think the USC coach has got – he's getting paid $4 million a year to do the evaluation here. Nine and four isn't bad. But as you look at it, you can't be have one of the top recruiting classes every year, have a quarterback that everybody thought was – the greatest thing since sliced bread, at least we were told that by the USC coaching staff, and then have disappointing offense and defensive performances. So that's probably why all this type of talk is going on, because of the hype that everyone thought that would be there. Yeah, and I thank you for that question, uh, Coach G, or ex-Coach G. Oh, we'd like to hear from him again. That was uh, some interesting stuff. Sorry we couldn't get to all your points. Uh, we just try to do what we can, and we only do about an hour show every week. So we, maybe we can expand that. And I think James Hopper, he's a longtime listener. I think this is his first time he's answered, he's asked a question, and uh, it's a good one as well. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in there, and um, he was a little concerned that we glanced over some things that I think we said we would talk about. We've talked a lot about recruiting that we're not focusing on the season. We we have a long off season, James. We're definitely going to talk about any topic that you guys want. We're not going to duck anything, uh, anything on the team. Uh, it's just there is a lot going on right now. When the when the season ends, obviously there's there's the bowl games to talk about, but recruiting is really heating up, and it will be over the next month. But we'll certainly keep talking about the team, and uh, any questions you have, you can always email them in, and uh, we'll try to get to every single one. We try to t- at least get part of everybody's questions on every podcast, and sometimes there's just too many. We can't get to them all, but we really try to, to get to them all. But the most interesting point he made, Coach, in his uh, long email was, he said there's signs this year of a deteriorating team, and I, I think he's making a good point here. I mean, there was academic ineligibility. Not that it's necessarily the coach's fault, but there's you know something to that. Uh, a couple starters that there weren't eligible. The you know the stuff with the running backs with Joe McKnight. Um, you know the Emerald Bowl declaration by Everson Griffin that he's going to the draft before they even were presented the trophy. Uh, you know Juana Convienga transferring out, even though USC's short on linebackers. You know you might see Aaron Corp. Transfer out as well. Transfer out as well. There's talk of that now. Uh, his dad has come out and said that there's nothing set in stone, but that's a possibility. But I, I think he makes a good point. It seems like a lot of years USC kind of got better throughout the years, throughout the season, and this year the team seemed to seem to almost like deteriorate a little bit. Well, you know, I have to I have to agree with that, uh, but I think these kids were part of a tradition. And they thought it would just continue without having to pay a price to know what's going on. Because they followed in this tradition and they have won for so long. They just thought, oh, this, this thing just happens. We just, we're a USC. We don't have to dedicate ourselves. We don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. And all of them come there as highly recruited athletes and want to play and look at their NFL careers and all of that. And sometimes it becomes a bigger me than it does a team. I used to have T-shirts. I used to have the team where under their... Uh, shoulder pads that said the team and then in little letters me uh, who cares who gets the credit as long as we get the w and sometimes it reverses itself and sometimes you have too many stars and sometimes all these stars are thinking more me than team because there are a lot of stars uh, accumulated at usc great talent and so on and you know i also think this i also think it's time to clean house I think sometimes when you get rid of certain players and players that aren't happy leave, I think it's positive. Sometimes you need to do this. Sometimes you need to say, Emerson, you know, if you don't want to be here, here's a ticket, take the first bus out of town. 
or if someone wants to transfer, I think it's good. It opens up another scholarship opportunity. But if you don't, you don't want somebody in your family that doesn't want to be there. And if someone wants to go to the NFL, whether they can play or not, if they think they're that good, it's time to go. Stephon Johnson wants to go. It's time to go. We need to get away from a lot of the focuses of this program that was distractions to the program, and you've got to get back to your basics, back to the basics of what it takes to win football games. And, uh, you, and I think another thing, too, at USC, uh, I think you need to have some enforcers. I'm not quite sure who the enforcers are now within the USC coaching staff. Now, I know Mike, Mike Garrett's an enforcer. He demands this and that from his coaches and his players. But I don't know who the enforcer is currently. It used to be at Orgeron, Tim Davis. I mean, guys that were in your face and guys that you were afraid to screw up. You, you made sure you went down that little yellow brick road. And if you got off that little yellow brick road, the Wicked Witch of the West got you. And uh, I don't know if you, you have that fear factor right now on the USC uh, coaching staff. I see distractions on the sideline that sometimes concern me as an ex-coach, a lot of intermingling with players, not paying attention, wandering down players who are hurt or Richard players, down with the crowd, talking with people on the 10-yard line and so on. And I say, what is that all about? They don't even know what's going on in the game. Like, there's no interest. I'd rather be with my buddy. And, and these are things that you get away with when you're winning. No one gives a damn. And I sound like Dick and that guy making these type of comments and so on. But you know what? You can solve a lot of big problems. It's when the termites get in there. The termites are, that means a lot of everything. And when the termites get in there, you better put the tent over the house. And you better get it fumigated. Otherwise, those termite, termites eat away all the foundations and your house fall in, falls in. So... I'm just saying I think Pete Carroll's got to take a look at everything. He's got to look at the restructuring of what he needs to do to bring the program not to where the program isn't a great program, but bring it to a level of what he is happy with, people are happy with, and what's expected. All right, Coach. Thanks, and thanks, James, for that question. Hopefully you can send in some more, and uh, we can uh, talk about more about some of the topics that you brought up. Uh, Coach, I know we've gone a little long here on our segment, but – there was something I think you wanted to, to bring up and, and talk about a little bit, the uh, the sanctions uh, carried down for the, the USC basketball team and actually some of the coverage that's kind of surrounded that. If Maybe you want to share some, shed some light on that and what your thoughts are on that whole situation. Well, you know, um, the media hasn't been really good to USC recently. They couldn't wait to jump on the McKnight deal, which, you know, was instigated with the media. And uh, I've talked about that before. If the kid would have said, yes, it's my girlfriend's car, and I drive it every day, there's no story. Absolutely no story whatsoever, but you can do that. This is his girlfriend, and, and you can drive your girlfriend's car. I drove my wife's car more than she did in college, okay? And I was on a football scholarship. You, you can do that. I think he panicked and said, oh, my gosh, I'm not supposed to do that or something. But the school's on top of that. And the school will look and find out exactly what's going on with that situation. And they're not going to tolerate anything that's not right with the NCAA. Yet you get the feeling from the media that, oh, my gosh, they're messing around. They're not meeting with us. They're not talk 
Who the hell do they think to meet with Mike Garrett and have a personal conversation with him in the press box at a at a bowl game? I mean, I don't know what course that was taught in, but uh, he's with his family in a bowl game, and uh, someone comes and wants to say, you're not talking to me. I'll t- please talk to me when you get back to L.A. Hey, when you invade my home, that's invading my home up there. You're lucky I didn't slam the door in your face. And all of a sudden, your head came through the door. And then, you know how the, you go to the carnival and you throw wet balloons at the face? I mean, you don't attack people that are family members. And I feel very protective on that because I'm very protective with my family, as most of our listeners are. I hope they are. And then they've, they've magnified all these things to where now it is center attention, the basketball program. As one of somebody asked us a while ago what happened to the discipline or whatever. Well, you know, when you do your investigations, you do it where you first of all follow the NCAA rules, the Pac-10 rules, and you have to follow legality as far as what the law is. And you can't always answer and talk on specific areas, yet the media thinks that you owe that to them. You don't, when you're doing a certain purpose, owe anything to anybody. You already give them press passes. You already give them access to your practices. You already feed them at every event they go to or they wouldn't go. So you already are courteous. They get parking passes, too, while the fan or the donator has to walk and pay to park. So the media is treated very well. And all you want to make sure the media reports that it's fair, that it gives both sides, and it does its investigation before it writes an article. And and that's all I used to ask for. Just be fair and make sure you do your investigating before you write an article. Now, in the basketball situation, after the investigation that went on, Mike Garrett made an announcement of exactly what the sanctions that the school was putting on the basketball program. And I believe that what he put on that basketball program may be tougher than what the Pac-10 or the NCAA put on that would would put on that basketball program. But he dealt with it. Took him some time to dealt with it, so he had his facts and knew exactly what had to be done. Did his homework and made that announcement. Now, did it affect USC basketball? Certainly, it affects USC basketball. But I think you've got the type of coach that will unite this team and reverse the negative into a positive. I'd love to see them win the Pac-10 championship, which they could do, because Kevin O'Neill is a hard-nosed guy, and he'll make these kids tougher because of the negative things that happen, and it'll be gone. The path, you want to move on. You want to get it over with. And he deals with this, and Mike has dealt with these things. Now, they always go back to the Reggie Bush situation. That You know, that is driving... You know, everybody crazy, the Reggie Bush situation. But there's a process there. You know, there's nothing to talk about. Time will tell on what's going to happen with that. But I don't want to see it mentioned in every single article before you talk about USC, the negative things. And I think that you try to sell newspapers by negative headlines. Then you read the article and you wonder, what is this guy saying? Or why is he writing this article? It serves no purpose except when you become the top columnist 
in the times because no one likes you, then you tell them, keep writing it, because they know who you are and they'll read you every day. So what you have to do is you can't let it bother you as a SC fan. If you don't like it, cancel the times. Or if you're an advertiser, don't advertise in it. There are other papers that cover USC. And it's something that's very annoying, but Mike's got broad shoulders. USC's got great tradition. And believe me, they will overcome this situation as USC has done it before, and they'll do it in the proper legal manners without outside persuasion. And I think that's the way you got to look at this. And Coach, I think the real shame is that this team has now won eight in a row, and they look they look really good, and uh, they're they're winning without any one and done guys. And uh, that they have USC hasn't been able to do that the past few years. Now they got a gritty, tough, defensive-minded team that could really make some noise in a Pac-10 or in a tournament somewhere, the NCAA tournament or a Pac-10 tournament. And now the USC fans aren't going to be able to see that. Yeah, but but let me tell you, you can't feel sorry for them. You know what you got to do? You had to get this behind you. Yeah. You got to go out and cheer for them now. You got to go out and support them. You got to have five, ten thousand people at every game in the Gale in the center. You got to reverse it. You got to say we don't care. You got to get out and support this team and cheer them on because this is the future, and now that's behind them. So this is what people have to do, and then that way you shut up all the negative things that are going on because people are forced to see that hey, we're bigger than what your criticism is. Yeah, Dan, Dan Weicke wrote a nice little column this week of saying exactly that. Get out there, support this team. This team deserves your support. They're working hard out there, and, and the fans should come out and, and support them. And it can, be, it can be a real boost. I mean, they could win the regular season Pac-10 title, which would be a great I'll accomplishment. I'll tell you, I'm going to make it an effort to go to more USC basketball games this year than I've ever done before. I am. To support this team, support this coach, support Mike Garrett, support the entire athletic department. Because, believe me, USC, this isn't the only school that little things happen. How many times did people write about why Ohio State had four players that didn't play in the Rose Bowl game or why they were suspended? Did anybody write about that? <laughs> huh? Yeah, Coach, no. your point. <laughs> why? But USC is big. And it's like if you're a star and if you're out here, if you're a, you know, whoever you might be, then people will read about it. So, and people, and that'll help sell papers. Okay, now, if, if you know, this saves the times with this type of negative type of thing, and I like getting a newspaper in the morning. I love having a cup of coffee and reading the newspaper. But there's certain sections now I just don't read in the sports page yeah. because they don't, I don't want to be upset anymore. So it isn't helping their reading. I've never met this gentleman who keeps criticizing USC and I never care to meet him. <laughs> so that sort of tells you exactly how I feel. Yeah, I get it coach. And of course, all you need is uscfootball.com. We have all the USC information you need out there and you can listen to the Peristyle podcast and get all the great commentary that we put up. But coach, I think this is the longest we've ever gone in a segment. So I'm sorry for, keeping I know you what are you long. doing to me? I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'm overworking you, Coach. I'm really you, sorry. You certainly are. Now I can't do one next week. That's it. i well, got to retire. We'll give you a week off. But thank you so much, Coach, and uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Ryan. Thank you. All right, everyone else, stay tuned. 30 seconds. We're going to talk a lot of recruiting with Gerard Martinez down at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined in this segment by Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com, recruiting analyst all the way from San Antonio in uh, Texas for the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. What's up, Gerard? How you doing, man? Yeehaw. I'm doing good, man. I'm eating barbecue and watching a lot of high school football, so it's pretty good, man. It's... uh... It's 24-7 out here. We're, either we're watching practice or we're writing about practice uh, or we're talking about practice. So it's, um, it's, it's great if you love high school football and you love a lot of five-star and blue-chip athletes and, you know, the best guys that we're going to be seeing on the college level in the next uh, three four years here. All right. So if people don't know, it's this big all-star game down. It'll be live on uh, NBC on, what was the game, Saturday? Saturday. Saturday on NBC. And you can check out a lot of, uh, you know, some guys committed to USC, big five-star guys. Guys USC is interested in. There'll be some commitment announcements during the game. And Gerard and uh, Brian are down there for USCfootball.com providing all kinds of updates, uh, you know, stories, interviews, talking to all the guys that are interested in USC and vice versa. So good stuff down there, Gerard. Thanks for all your hard work. No problem, man. That's, that's what I'm paid for. We, we, we put a couple stories up, you know, here and there. Yeah. You're putting up like five a day from down there. So that's good stuff. So definitely check out USCfootball.com. For a lot of details, we'll try to we'll give you a Cliff Notes version of what's kind of going on down there. But we still have a lot of your recruiting questions to get to. So there's a lot to get to this segment. So let's get into it. And uh, uscfootball.com, the email address is podcast at uscfootball.com if you have questions. So, Gerard, let's do a few questions first. And then we'll get, uh, get some players, uh, updates on players that you've seen down there. Uh, this one, first one's from David. Uh, it's an interesting question. What would you say is the average consensus among recruits when it comes to how they rate these four things? They're, he's talking about winning, playing time, NFL preparation, and education. What do you think the average recruit or the, the consensus of all the recruits, if you averaged them out, how would they rate those four things, Gerard? Well, I think playing time is kind of tied in to NFL preparation. I think a lot of guys want early playing time, so – they get more exposure to the NFL teams. Um, so that would be one and two, two and one kind of tied together. Uh, probably winning would probably be second, I think, uh, for the vast majority. I mean, we're talking about a large number of recruits, and, and there are a lot of guys there that uh, you have to realize are, are not necessarily, you know, 4.0 students. Uh, a lot of guys are, are playing football. They're just getting by. They're just trying to get qualified. And those guys, you know, education – 
they feel like education at a college level is going to be good regardless of where they go. So, you know, they're really looking for a prestige. And again, you know, in a roundabout way, it's that form. If you're playing for a winning program, uh, you have more likelihood of getting that exposure on the national level, and you're going to have more NFL teams looking at you. You're going to have scouts. You're going to have people talking about you. Uh, you might be in a Heisman Trophy race. You might be in an All-American uh, candidate. And that kind of thing always, you know, perks uh, those uh, NFL draft boards, you know, Mel Kuyper and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think uh, it probably goes one, two, three like that. And then, you know, unfortunately – I know it's not politically correct to say, uh, but education probably falls in in the latter. Um, it just uh, for a minority of recruits, it's very very important, and there are some guys that legitimately make decisions based on the education, uh, based more specifically on majors. But I think again, you're looking at the majority. Um, it's definitely about getting to the pros. It's it's about you know making football your career. Yeah, not not that we you know be clear. Not every student's like there's a lot of students you know that are. They want to be student athletes, and there's some that aren't. So I think, but just the consensus, like you said, probably overall, average-wise, it would probably be rated fourth out of those four things. But, all right. Well, thank you for that question. Um, let's get to Sam has a question about safety commitments. Uh, USC has a commitment from Dion Bailey, and they are currently recruiting guys like Dietrich Riley, Sean Parker, Marquis Flowers, Demar Dorsey, Ahmad Dixon. A few of those guys are actually down there at the Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio. Uh, how many of those prospects do you think USC is, is going to try to get and are seriously, seriously interested in USC? Well, they've offered Dietrich Riley. They've offered Sean Parker. Uh, they've offered Marquise Flowers. Uh, they've verbally offered DeMar Dorsey, and they've verbally offered Ahmad Dixon. Uh, Dorsey and Dixon are later offers. Uh, USC has kind of been messing around with Dorsey here and there. Uh, for a while, Dixon is a recent uh, target to USC's recruiting board. Um, we'll see how that happens. It, it, it kind of, I think, goes with those guys taking official visits and getting to talk to them in person. Uh, when it's this late in the process, I think USC just wants to feel those guys out a little bit. Uh, they like them, obviously, as athletes and as football players, but because it's later in the process and there hasn't probably been a lot of in-person contact, those official visits would be important to be able to kind of gauge that. Now, Dixon has his official visit to USC set up for January 15th. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's, you know, excited about USC, but he's excited about a few different schools. He was committed to Texas at one point. Decommitted from the Longhorns and ended up going to Baylor, and now there's a lot of talk that he's ready to decommit from Baylor. And I would kind of assume and expect that to happen. But Dixon's an interesting guy; he's a little bit of a character. You just, I don't think you can really put any expectations on what he's going to do. Nobody really knows, at uh, least of all him. So that's kind of where that folds out. What? Are the guys at the top of USC's list? I think you have to go with the guys that they've been on the longest uh, at this point. I think Riley, Parker, and Flowers. Um, you know, Flowers is going to make a decision here at the U.S. Army All-American Game. Um, I think uh, that decision. I have a I have a hunch uh, will leave Parker and Riley at the top of USC's board. And really, I mean, those are the guys that are local guys that have been around the program that USC's recruited the most. The interesting part uh, about, I guess, the safety position right now coming from Parker uh, just you know talking to him um, you know today he said that he wasn't going to officially visit USC which is a little surprising he's uh, got a top three which is also his final three of Cal USC and Michigan 
He has officially visited Cal. He has officially visited Michigan. He's not officially visited USC, but he's been there numerous times. He's really good friends with Byermore Jr. Um, he's also very good friends with USC commitments. Deion Bailey, who's like aforementioned, a safety commitment for USC, uh, and Jesse Scroggins, who's a quarterback commitment for USC, and um, Robert Woods, who's a wide receiver commitment for USC. So USC's done really well recruiting-wise in the South Bay, and he's tight with all those players. So there's definitely a lot of influence there for USC, and he's pretty comfortable. It's not necessarily uh, make or break that you know he's not taking an official visit, so that means he has no interest. That that's simply not true. So that's kind of how the way shake you know things shaking out right now. And um, you know I I think Riley really likes SC. I think Parker uh, is definitely you know he's got SC in his top three, and I think. Uh, They'll be there to the very end. And um, the other two guys, it's kind of wait and see what happens. Again, official visits might uh, dictate what, what really goes on down the stretch. All right. Thanks for that question, Sam, and thanks for the answer, Gerard. Let's get to uh, Manny out in your neck of the woods, Gerard. Rancho Cucamonga. The uh, IE. The IE. Woo, IE. All right. Ben so, Antonio is, is, is sort of like the IE. It's a little colder here, actually, than uh, most places in the IE. It's been beautiful here in Southern California, man. 75 degrees every day. Good stuff. Is yeah, it, I, I got I got like you know my gloves and uh, helmets and hoods and yeah, it's a little blistery uh, in the morning practices. Well, we'll stay warm down there, Gerard. We appreciate the the hard work. I know you guys getting a lot of stuff down there, so it's good stuff. But uh, Manny wanted to know he's confused about the recruitment of Cecil Whiteside, uh, linebacker. He's he's committed to Cal, uh, but he hasn't been offered. This is according to Manny. He's a little confused. He's not been offered by Carroll even though he's the sixth-ranked in-state prospect. And USC obviously needs some linebackers. Why is there no mutual interest? He's, he mentions that in, in your hypothetical recruiting commentary, Whiteside's a kind of local talent that USC should be securing. He wanted to get your thoughts on that whole situation, what's going on there. Well, in that analysis piece uh, that we did that kind of uh, it contrasted USC's recruiting strategy with Texas's recruiting strategy, and Texas being um, just a little more homogeneous, just a little more focused on Texas kids and recruiting Texas kids first, whereas USC is definitely very nationally um, expansive in their recruiting efforts. Uh, they really reach out coast to coast, and it was it wasn't necessarily making a commentary kind of just showing the hypotheticals what if USC focused more on California kids and and looking at you know the numbers of the NFL draft picks that have come out of California over the past 5 6 years and it showed that USC if they wanted to had the option of maybe recruiting California harder now with Whiteside uh, he is ranked high um and it is a position in need for USC the thing about the analysis it didn't necessarily speak on guys that USC missed on because they didn't recruit them at all. There were a few examples, in fact, a lot of examples of guys that USC had recruited, but maybe just not hard enough. Or they offered the guy, but were also after a national guy, and maybe got the commitment from the national prospect from out of state, and therefore kind of went away from the local guy. Um, You could look at uh, maybe Joe McKnight compared to Javid Best, uh, looking at Patrick Turner uh, in contrast to Deshaun Jackson. So it wasn't all necessarily about guys that they'd missed on completely or guys that they ignored during the process and you know when you look at those numbers of NFL draft picks there's a lot of guys that uh, that, that USC recruited but then on the other side of things there were some guys there that nobody recruited not just USC but nobody in the Pac-10 a guy like Ramsey's Barton who ended up at Cal um, Pomona 
uh, or excuse me, uh, Cal Luis Obispo, um, Cal Poly up there in, in in San Luis Obispo, and you know he obviously didn't have any offers from anybody, but he ends up being you know a six six, two hundred and ten pound receiver who ends up getting drafted. That's a guy that just you know everybody slept on. There's a lot of guys who end up at San Diego State uh, that that nobody really recruited to. So. It's not necessarily, you know, every guy that's going to be rated high by rivals or, you know, is a, is a prospect uh, that's thought highly of Pac-10 schools is going to go on and, you know, be an NFL draft pick and USC's kind of overlook those kids. So, you know, with Whiteside, why hasn't USC, you know, recruited him? Why then have they not offered him? Because they just don't think enough of him. They just obviously don't think that he's a good enough player for whatever reason. I don't have specifics. I mean, you know, maybe that's something that uh, uh, the coaching staff will talk about later on, but they can't get into specifics with recruits. That's, you know, against NCAA regulation. So at this point, you could just assume they don't like uh, something about his game um, and feel like there are other players there that they can recruit that they have a good shot at um, that, uh, you know, makes them feel comfortable that they don't feel forced that they have to go after Whiteside right now. All right, Manny, thank you for that one. And uh, last one, last question before we get to some of the Army stuff. This is from Kevin, who likes to ask recruited questions. Is USC <laughs> currently recruiting William Golston and Garrison Smith? Thank you very much. Uh, yes, I would say that they are being recruited but they are committed to other schools, so it's kind of a yes or no answer. Okay, so they are being recruited. What, it's uh, Michigan State and where? Michigan State and Georgia. Georgia. Well, William Golston is committed to Michigan State. Sounds like he's pretty comfortable with, with Michigan State and been solid there for a while, but, of course, you know, what what gets said in, in recruiting updates and what kids say publicly doesn't always necessarily reflect what they're really feeling, but he has been committed to Michigan State for a while, and um, – and Garrison Smith, kind of the same thing, you know. He came out for an official visit to USC uh, a couple months ago, and after that said he was still solid with Georgia and, and really wasn't looking at wavering. So, you know, you take them at their word, and when things change, you report that change as it happens. But as of right now, yeah, both those guys are solid to other schools. So. All right, cool. Well, thanks for all the questions this week. Again, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address if you want to get to that. Now let's get to some of the fun stuff, Gerard. I know you. this is like one of your favorite weeks of the year, even though you have to travel. It uh, just seems like you have a lot of fun down there. When I've gone down with you, it's just been a, a good time, and it's, it's fun to see the kids, especially the – I think the combine with the juniors is, is actually even more fun just to see those kids doing all the drills and stuff, one big day of a lot of fun. And, and a lot of guys you saw last year at the combine, you're going to see this year at the, at the practices and the game itself. Uh, but some big-time some big recruits for USC there. Maybe we'll go through – kind of a list and get your thoughts on what you've seen down there. I know one guy that's been impressive so far, uh, Kyle Prater. He's uh, playing for the East team, one of the, the only USC commitment playing on the East team. What, what are your thoughts on him so far? He's been playing really well. I mean, the last two days of practice, he's been dominant. Um, definitely at this point through the last two days of practice, I would say be the best receiver on the East team. And the East team, I think that's their strength right now, is definitely receiver. They've got three guys who, who stood out to me today just watching, you know, the morning practices. I really like Prater, uh, uses his size well. Um, I think the one thing that everybody really is excited about him, you know, watching him as a prospect right now in high school is you know, he's, he's got excellent height. I mean, he's legitimately 6'5". He's got long arms. Um, he's got good speed for a guy that, that is that size. But I think his quickness is really what 
it, it kind of it surprises people because when you got a guy that's that long, it can catch the ball across his body and then cut back the other way on the dime. And uh, we do have some video that's up on Rivals that uh, shows one of these plays where he's in the dig route and he catches the ball kind of across his body over the hash and in one move basically swings over and cuts back up field into the middle of the field. And, you know, he's such a long guy that he covers about three yards in that one move. And when you do that quick, it's like, wow, it's sudden. And, and I think the defense just doesn't have a chance to really react to something like that. And it's rare to see in a guy that's 6'5 and 200 pounds. And, you know, he catches the ball with one hand, and he does all that kind of razzle-dazzle stuff. But he's really calm, has a really good confidence about him, and uh, just an intimidating type of guy when you're, when you're looking at a receiver that big. So, you know, he's, he's been uh, fun to watch. And, and definitely, you know, when you've got receivers like Ambles and Christian Green, um, you know, they've always got Ivan McCartney there on that East team. The East team's receivers are, are stacked. And it's kind of like uh, the, the defensive line for the West team. So, you know, Prater's definitely led for them and, and pressed everybody that we've talked to, you know, that's watched both practices, including us. It's, uh, you know, we've seen both teams now, too. All right. Well, now let's keep with the receiver position. We'll go over to the West side, though. But uh, another USC commitment, Robert Woods. Uh, I've heard some really impressive things from him this week. Yeah, it's it's his bookends. You know, it's it's pretty amazing with USC in the receiving class that you talk about a guy for the East team uh, that's representing USC and, and wowing everybody, and then you can go over to the West team and you get a guy that's doing the same thing. And really, I, I mean, Woods, I think, is standing out even more because the receiver position on the West team is just not as impressive. Uh, you know, with the East, you, you've got some guys that are really making plays and they're really fighting for it. And I think Prater is really kind of set a level and, and those guys are trying to you know keep up with that level with Prater and with the West team I, I think it's just everybody's kind of stepping back and saying wow you know Robert Woods is so fast he runs such good routes um, he's a good kid you can tell that the, the team likes him and it's not one of those ego things uh, I, I think an all-star game like this you can definitely get guys that hate on each other a little bit um, you know everybody's looking at their rankings and there's competition there you know and, and there's egos but Woods is just such a kind of happy-go-lucky kid. He's always smiling. He's always having fun. That I think you know the other guys are are, are not intimidated by that or or put off by that. And um, he's just gotten praise over and over again. And he's doing things you know underneath routes, quick routes, showing good hands. Uh, but he's beating a lot of a lot of guys deep. Is, is really where he's kind of showing off uh, that skill. And um, you know he's probably been I think consensus-wise, the most impressive player on the offense uh, for the West squad. All right. And another uh, impressive offensive player on the West, Dylan Baxter, or USC commit. What, where's he been playing and what's he looked like so far? He's been playing well. You know, I think everybody wondered, you know, coming in, how was the running back position for the West squad going to really play out? Because you had at one point D.J. Morgan, Lake Seastrunk, and Dylan Baxter. Now, D.J. Morgan blew his ACL is not going to play in the game. He'll be down here Thursday, but he's not actually going to participate in the game. So it became a little more of a kind of a two-man battle between Dylan and and Seastrunk. And I think, you know, talking about both guys here, uh, Seastrunk comes from a system, wing T system. He's, I think, not used to really selling out for his blocks and, and trusting his offensive line. And he's tried to make some of those razzle-dazzle moves, a lot of cutback stuff. And this is a kid who's really quick and really sudden. Even on this level, he's still very fast. But 
because you have so many guys on that defense that can flat out run and close the angle on you so fast that those kind of cutback moves really has not, have not worked. And the consistency there for Alexi Strunk, uh, it's been touch and go. He's been not as, I don't know, just not be able to depend on that natural talent that gets him by on broken plays in high school. Whereas Dylan has been a little more patient. I think he has a better vision. Um, and he's really kind of taking control right now of the starting running back spot. I think the fact that he's a good blocker, um, that he understands the, the pass offense in a lot of ways, and he can be used as a slot receiver really helps him. Um, he's just really good all around. But I think really the most impressive thing, and maybe even a little bit of a surprising thing to me, is watching Dylan be able to shake guys out of their cleats in this game at these level of practices against this level of competition. He's still – you know, from time to time, not all the time. It's obviously not, you know, when he's playing in Mission Bay where, you know, every other play he's basically being able to run, you know, circles around guys. But there's still moments in practice that he gets a guy. <laughs> Everybody goes, oh, 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 and it's just it's just bad. You know, somebody's ankles get broke. <laughs> you know, they got a lot of tapes. Trainers are running around. Because Dylan is just shaking guys left and right. And that's, that's cool. You, you, you're kind of surprised because that's kind of a hard thing to do, you know, at this level. When you go from playing, you know, uh, it's like Division Four, I think, down there in San Diego, hey, player of the year, and, and definitely he's seen some good teams and, and played against some good competition, but it's just not this level, you know, man for man. And this is a really good defense with a really good defensive line, and he's still been able to make some moves and do those things that we saw, you know, highlight-wise uh, with him in high school and that's been kind of cool to, to see. Um, but it's the consistency right now that's, that's got him the starting job, and we'll see if he's able to hold on to it. So he's got the starting job right now over a sea drunk. It looks like it, yeah, definitely. Definitely because of uh, his receiving abilities and, and pass blocking and just kind of having a good awareness for, for what the offensive scheme is this week. All right. Uh, well, what about one of the guys blocking for sea uh, drunk and, and uh, Baxter, the number one recruit in the country, Chantrell Henderson? How's he looked? Chantrell, he looked a little overwhelmed, I think, at first. Um, you know, he had a couple one-on-one reps and got, you know, really posterized. I saw by, him fall. Uh, I think he fell down once in one of the ones I saw, like on the video. Yeah, yeah, he he, <laughs> he fell down and then he got pushed over, um, which was a sight to see when you got a six-eight, you know, three hundred and twenty-pound guy falling over like that. Uh, but it's one of those things that you have to look at all of this in context. And it's just like when you go to camps and when you're evaluating talent, and you're looking at recruits, you can't just make, you just can't jump to conclusions on certain things. And a lot of people jumped on that, you know, that one play where, you know, he gets knocked over or, or he whiffs on a block and pass pro. The fact is he's coming from St. Paul, Minnesota, and he's not seeing players this good ever in his life. And he really, I mean, he didn't hit a lot of camps, and he's not really familiar with some of those drills. And, you know, really it might have been one of his really first one-on-one drills against players that good ever in his life. So you have to kind of look at it and take certain things with a grain of salt. What I liked about Chantrell Henderson this week is that I think he seemed to adjust quickly to it. You know, at one moment he's getting just torn up. You know, somebody blows by him. And then the next, you know, a couple plays later, all of a sudden he throws a good block. All of a sudden he pancakes that same guy that just blew by him. So it's not a consistent thing where he's just getting beat. You know, he has those moments where you see it's like, whoa, I, I just didn't realize this guy could be this fast. 
once he learns and he adjusts from that, he comes back and he does some great things himself. And I think, you know, really right now, I mean, you're looking at the run blocking, you look at where the West is really kind of focusing on uh, trying to build their offense, it's on his side of the field. So, you know, they have some trust in him and they feel like he can get it done. And he's a great big body, he's got good feet, and um, and he's got a little bit of that mean streak. He's shown that now and again. And uh, I think, you know, those are all positive things. And, and, again, even with Lake, you know, not starting doesn't mean he's completely overrated and, and you know, not, not the hype and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, this is uh, one week of practice. And, again, these guys are coming from really different systems and, and they're adjusting on the fly. And some guys are going to get it faster than others. Um, but if you're looking at this as it was, you know, a, a regular football year, it's kind of hard to, to compare, you know, a, a week of practice to, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, months and months of practice, you know, maybe that second month, all of a sudden, a guy like Lake Seastrunk catches up to Dylan Baxter as far as, you know, having the awareness and the understanding, and, and all of a sudden they're on an even playing field when it comes to being comfortable in the offense. That changes things a lot. All right, well, let's, uh, let's look at a couple of defenders real quick before we let you go. Uh, Ronald Powell seems like he's been tearing it up at defensive end there. He's been tearing it up, definitely. I, I think, you know, Ron, just athletically, you, you – kind of know going in you figure he's going to be hard to stop i mean he's he's a good six three six four he's 225 pounds he's built well he's fast he he just has that range and, and he's used it all i think the thing that you just come back with ron all the time is you know he's really a leader he's, he's a vocal guy around the, the practices and and not in a bad way you know some guys are trash talkers and they trash talk in an annoying way. You just hear them all the time on the practice field, and even their teammates are just looking around going, man, just, dude, shut up already. You know, <laughs> you, know you may have made a play, but come on, everybody out here is making plays. We're all good. And Ron's the kind of guy that talks but is vocal and, and says a lot of positive things and, and is really always there that, that's pushing guys. And, you know, for a guy that's that big and, and that good, uh, you, you really like to see that. You like to see him as a leader, and that's what he's been. And, and yeah, you know, physically he's he's been um, dominant, and, and there's been some, some times where he's looked like he's, you know, definitely kind of the class of uh, the, the defensive line or just, you know, the defense in general. But, um, it's you know, the defensive line kind of across the board has been very dominant and very good. And we're just going to have to see – if it's the offensive line just struggling to kind of have some cohesion because that happens in all, you know, all-star games, the chemistry is not there. Again, it's a week of practice. Uh, or it could just be that guys like Ronald Powell are that good, and, and we're going to see that in the game against the East. Certainly. It's, gonna, it's, it's one guy a lot of USC fans are curious about. I, I know you've got to talk to him. Uh, it still looks like it's a USC-Florida kind of thing, and he's, going, he's uh, kind of going back and forth a little bit. What, what were your overall thoughts talking to him? Well, it's definitely still USC, Florida. Um, he doesn't look like he wants to open it up to any other schools. Uh, he was just really shaken up by the whole Urban Meyer thing. And I think, uh, honestly, I think he's, he wants to go to Florida. Um, but he's a street-smart kid. He's savvy. And he just doesn't believe everything everybody tells him. And he's kind of just trying to get a feel from the Florida coaching staff and, and seeing how sincere they are and, and what's really happening with Urban Meyer and he's hesitant because of it. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that I, I don't see him necessarily, you know, trying to talk himself out of going to Florida. I think it's more he, he's just trying to double-check and, and make sure there's just not a real reason that uh, he shouldn't go to Florida. Um, you know, his main problem with USC or his main hesitation with USC is just the distance factor. He feels like he wants to get away from home. Didn't really go into depth about why so much. I, I think – 
kind of reading between the lines and my own um, read on the situation is just, you know, maybe too close to bad habits or, or things that go on. Uh, but, you know, knowing Ron personally, I don't really see him as a guy that, that's going to be tempted by those type of things. I mean, I think he could pretty much go anywhere and, and still be a good kid, and he's still going to get this business done and, um, and not, you know, pretty low-maintenance type recruit for whatever program. Um, but that, you know, that's what he felt was kind of something that he didn't like about USC. And, um, you know, USC is not really getting any farther from Reno Valley. So <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Some people have talked about him maybe, you know, announcing Saturday. I I just I just don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. Urban Meyer seems to have a lot of uh, interesting phone conversations with guys, so maybe he talks them into it, you know, before the week is over. But uh, when I talked to Ron, he, he, he still seemed pretty torn. He, he seemed like he, he wanted to trust Urban Meyer and he wanted to trust Florida and he wanted to just – you know, say, you know what, I want to be a Gator and just get it over with. But at the same time, there's something that's in the back of his head that it's obviously it's it's causing him to, to second-guess, you know, where he was originally feeling like he was going to commit to. All right. And, uh, well, thanks for the update there. Well, obviously, USC fans will be following his recruitment very closely over the next few weeks as we lead up to signing day. One last guy I wanted to get your comments on. We don't want to leave out any four-star. I think every guy we've talked about, is a five-star, which is kind of ridiculous in itself. But Sean Parker, what about him, the, the safety from Narbonne, close to me? I, I like these guys that I can cover that are, that are close to my house. So Sean Parker. <laughs> yeah. Narbonne and Sarah, I know. They, Brian is, uh, is like the guy around there. I'm all over um, Woods. I, I'm all over Parker. It's all good stuff. Sean, Sean, I tell you what, Sean's the one guy, you know, you talk about guys like Ronald Powell and Kyle Prater and Chantrell Henderson, these physically, you know, awe-inspiring type recruits. And, and then Sean Parker, who is probably going to end up being the starting strong safety for the West team, is, is really the opposite of all those guys. You know, he is not physically impressive. He's, he's probably 5'10", 185 pounds. Um, and a strong safety, especially if you're a USC fan, that's like, huh, a strong safety that's 5'10"? I mean, when's the last time USC seen a, five, uh, a 5'10 safety, let yeah. alone, shoot, anybody below six foot. Uh, <laughs> they tend to recruit giants that, you know, are like defensive end type uh, that end up playing strong safety at USC. But this is a guy that really I thought coming in, I had a hunch. I said, you know, everybody's going to doubt him because he's not the big guy and he's not the physically impressive guy. But he's probably going to really be hard to keep off the field because he just understands things so well. He really has savvy, confidence, and knowledge about the game. And watching them the first day, watching the defensive backs, there's a lot of defensive backs that, man, they just don't really understand coverages. You know, you can see at the high school level, they play man. They may play a little cover two. And it's really physical ability. And, you know, how many receivers are they playing that are really good and really how rare is it that you're not only going to see a receiver that's good, but see a receiver-quarterback combination that's able to challenge a good athletic defensive back at the high school level? It just doesn't happen. And I think, you know, now that it is happening and you're in an all-star situation, you've got a guy like Robert Woods that's across from you, and you've got a quarterback that's a Division One caliber guy that can throw the ball. You do have to know coverages. and You do have to know the scheme, and you do have to know technique. And some of these guys are just, it's you know, taking them a while, and they're just not – really picking it up very fast. Sean Parker is out there listening to the coaches, finishing their sentences. You know, he knows exactly what they're talking about. He knows exactly where they're going with the conversation. 
Uh, I mean, he's adding things, you know, hey, you know what, if this guy comes out in the flat, you know, I, I bump him, but, you know, is it cool if I come down and, and, and maybe take the flat a little more shallow? Uh, you know, should I be dropping back further on this specific route? Uh, you know, if they run this slant, you know, should I? And he's looking at the defense in a bigger picture already, and you got to admire that. And this is a guy that's produced a lot. Uh, in high school. I mean, this guy has had a dozen interceptions over the past two years, and he's run a punch back for touchdowns. He just, has a, he just has a good feel for the game. And I think, you know, maybe more than anything, this is one of those things when you go back and the white side uh, conversation came up on one of our questions earlier in the podcast about USC overlooking white side. You know, it's one of those things you overlook guys necessarily that are, that are production guys, that are winners in high school, and you see a lot of those guys on those lists those NFL draft lists, and they're guys that maybe weren't the most athletic guys. You know, they weren't guys that were running the 4-4s four or the guys that were the 6-3. They maybe were a little undersized or they went to a smaller school, but they were still guys that won and were productive. And, you know, you can overlook that a lot. So I think with Sean Parker, he's definitely one of those guys. You know, he's not going to blow you away, you know, just watching him walk around the street clothes. But when he's out there, he's in the right place at the right time. A lot of the time, and believe me, coaches, whether it's high school level or college level, love that about players. All right. Well, Gerard, thank you so much for all the uh, great stuff there. We'll let you get back to uh, to work there in San Antonio, but thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Anyway, Yeah, and definitely, everyone out there, you, if you like recruiting, you have to check out uscfootball.com, not only just this week because of all the great stuff Gerard's putting up there, videos and all kinds of great stuff interviews and, and analysis but over the next few weeks especially leading up to signing day no one does it better than gerard he'll have tons of the recruiting information up there it's just all good stuff so if you like recruiting or if you don't know much about it go check it out on uscfootball.com you can kind of learn some stuff really interesting stuff to, to figure out what's going on with all these high school kids and where they're going to end up and usc is really poised to have an amazing recruiting class so it's going to be a fun one to watch no promises, though. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not responsible for that. Yes. We have no control over the recruiting class. That is not our job. If so Ron, we just report on it. If Ronald Powell goes to Florida, don't blame us. It's not our fault. We're just telling you what we hear. <laughs> exactly. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks again, Gerard, and take care. All right, man. Be good. All right, everyone else. Thank you very much. This is the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.